Welcome to Thrive, a Paychex business podcast where you'll hear timely insights to help you navigate marketplace dynamics and propel your business forward. Here's your host, Gene Marks. Welcome to another edition of Thrive. My name is Gene Marks, and I am here with Stephanie Gorski. Stephanie uh, is the uh, Strategy Managing Director and Partner at Essential Strategy. First of all, Stephanie, I I have to ask you just with the title. I (laughs) thought, so. okay, so first of all, um, I'm a KPMG guy. I was was at KPMG for like nine years, right? And uh, there's like partners, and then there's directors, you know, and different firms have different sort of, you know, you know, definitions of all of that. So you're a partner, you're a director. Like how does it, first of all, tell us a little bit about your role at Accenture. Yeah. And you know what? There's so many, I feel like every company has a different title for everything yeah. nowadays. So try to make it as easy and streamlined as possible. And we, I do not do a good job of that. So let's make it easier for everyone to understand. Um, so I'm a partner basically because we are public as Accenture, we call them managing directors and I sit in our strategy practice And so I focus on strategically thinking about mostly software and platform clients, but now broadly about how many of our different companies we support at the enterprise level, so larger companies as Accenture, actually can support SMBs better, and which is really top of mind for many of our clients today. So I sit at the intersection of that and have had a pleasure doing it for the last number of years. Okay, so that's a that, that's a really good point that you make. So I I just have always been curious. Like Accenture is a giant firm. Um, you're in. You're you're identified as Accenture's SMB expert, and I guess like, why does Accenture care about small businesses? Don't you guys just care about like the Fortune 1000 and large scale projects? Yeah, I mean that's what you think. And actually, you know what? When I started my life at Accenture, that's what I thought too. Right. But really, at the end of the day, we want to make the economy and the world a better place for every type and size of business, and also for consumers. Otherwise, we don't play a role. So, so much of what I do for enterprises is actually thinking about their customer base, especially in the business to business lens. And hmm. many of the clients I support, 60 to 70 to 80% of the revenue actually comes from small and medium-sized businesses. So I have to, like, we have to, as Accenture, in my opinion, really think about what's the needs and the experience of small businesses in order to support these enterprise players in the best way possible. So let's just say, so, you know, originally when I was reading the study, which we're going to talk about, I was thinking like, okay, so essentially like any big, you know, big firm, they're, they're, they're studying small business because you're, you're going after those, you know, those nuggets in the haystack, you know, you're trying to find that <laughs> next small business is going to be like the next Facebook, but I'm actually getting what you're telling me is, um, you know, actually, no, you know, we're, we're doing this because we want to provide this information to our clients who do business with small businesses. Is that accurate? Correct. And for so long, the way that I think about this is one, for so long, companies used to look over small businesses, even though they were such a large portion of the revenue, they either treated them like consumers or like enterprises and fit whatever they could for small businesses. And quite frankly, that didn't work well. That didn't maximize the relationship, the revenue, anything like that. And now even today, we're seeing that even though they're starting to develop groups or support for small business that's unique, they're treating all small businesses the same. And one size does not fit all in this area. So we wanted to dive in and show that not only does there segmentation around this, but also there's new waves of small businesses coming. And especially now with COVID and what's come out of COVID, you got to treat them differently. Not only do you have to treat them differently, uh, you know, it is a, so, you know, if if you haven't figured it out already, I'm a CPA, okay, which should be obvious, (laughs) but look, um, 
So we have about we have about 600 clients um, around the country, but mostly in the Mid-Atlantic area, you know. And to your point, whatever if you ask, they're mostly like mom and pop stuff. I mean, these they're you know, or they're B two B companies, family owned businesses, you know, the whole thing, right? And if you ask any of them, like you know, one of the owners of these businesses, like what do you do? It's very rare that you will have somebody be like, "Oh, I run a small business." You know, their 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 answer is going to be like, "I run an engineering firm." You know what I mean? I I run a manufacturing company. I'm a distributor. I'm a landscaper. You know what I mean? So you're right. You can't. People seem seem to like putting all small businesses like into like this one bucket, and it's just it's just wrong to do that. You know? Absolutely. I'm right there with you, and I have a specific, specific passion about this too. Um, I've shared over the years, but my dad is a um, rare book collector and sales individual. So he runs a small business on the side. So I use him as my test case or pilot of different pieces that I actually, you know, consult on. And so many times, even though I consult in this area, spend all my time in this area, when I'm starting to do stuff with him, either advertising or setting up CRM or whatever it may be, I'm struggling myself. Yeah. So it has been really interesting looking at it from that vantage point too, of like how hard it is to navigate that landscape, no matter what background you have. All right. So let's talk about startups. Um, so I, this is just completely by quits. You and I are recording this conversation. It's near the end of July. I'm not quite sure when it's going to be published, but this week uh, I write every week for the Philly Inquirer on small business. And, um, awesome. and, and yeah, just this week, I just did a whole piece on starting up a business in Philadelphia. Like what's, unique about it. And trust me when I tell you, it's a pain in the neck, you know, but okay, that's, that's another topic altogether. But um, Accenture did a big study on startups and that's what we want to talk about. So, so tell us, tell us a little bit about that study. Yeah. So for me, when I was ending up seeing, and this is actually kind of, you hit on this, a multidimensional. So I've been researching small, medium-sized businesses for the last four plus years, either with clients or proactively as Accenture. And what we were starting to see, and you saw this too, was there such an increase during COVID of, yes, small businesses shutting down, but also starting. And I also saw the beauty of uh, being in the consulting world, the entrepreneurial mindset of my colleagues too. A number of my colleagues were starting up small businesses either on the side or were leaving Accenture to also start up their own small business in a passion area that they've already had. One of my closest colleagues did exactly that. And so I really wanted to, and we as a team wanted to dive into what's really the phenomenon going on here. Are they fundamentally different? Do small businesses that are starting during this time of COVID look, feel, operate, and think differently than what small businesses of the past have looked like? And we found out across the board, yes, they are more digitally savvy. They're harnessing the use of technology in a different way. They are actually small businesses. One of my favorite facts is about 70% of them want to stay small businesses forever. So they aren't looking to become, as you mentioned later, like the next Facebook of the world. So it's also making sure you're catering to them for the long term. Mm-hmm. And then also so many of them are still doing this as a side hustle. About a third are doing it as a side hustle on top of their daily income with somewhere else. So giving them that flexibility. But they're also just following passions. Many of them, even though this was happening during COVID times, many of them smart, started their business because they were excited. They liked the freedom of having something that they were truly passionate about. And we're trying to look for something that could be a primary income source in the future for them, but wanted to incubate it now because they thought the opportunity was there. So it's a fun seeing how like the change of the work environment is happening too. I'm going to get a little cynical with you as well. I wrote about this a few times um, while this was all happening. You know, one, 
<clears throat> and I'm curious to hear what your thoughts are. Uh, yeah. And feel free to to subdue your thoughts if necessary. <laughs> um, I, you know, some people are like, hey, you know, a lot of people took all that extra stimulus money, you know, that they, apparently they didn't really need it for their groceries. They wound up using it as capital to start up a small business. So that was one thing with people complaining about that. Um, and then the other one was just the whole work from home thing. Uh, you know, I, I have personal experience with, you know, friends of mine and, and such a work at bigger corporations that were working from home and did start up side businesses. And I was thinking to myself, like, gee, you know, I, I thought they were really busy at their jobs, but apparently when they went home to work, <laughs> seemed to be able to find extra time to start up businesses on their, on their own as well. So those two, you know, I'm kind of curious your thoughts on that. Like, do you think that a portion of these new entrepreneurs started up their businesses with sort of government help? And number two is, do you think that uh, some of these entrepreneurs were a lot of corporate employees that found that they had extra time when left to work on their own at home? I would 100% agree with both, quite frankly. Okay. I know you're being cynical, but I completely agree with it. So the first one around using some of the stimulus fund, yes, but it's stimulating the economy in a different way, right? If we think about yep. stimulating the economy in the long term, even though it's not funding those groceries at the moment or maybe taking a piece of that to fund something else, it's another way to keep an area of the economy, which is huge for, for North America and broadly, um, really alive for the longer term and thinking about how we can last and evolve, right? We're all going through such a business evolution, no matter if it's small business or enterprise right now that that needed to happen and needed to be funded in some way, just happened to be some of the stimulus. The other piece of that, of like corporate America, I completely agree with you. My friends that were like, I can't handle and I'm juggling too much. It's I'm so like, slammed. I'm so slammed. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what? It's interesting because even my husband comes from a consulting background too. The two of us have talked about it of saying like, what would we want to potentially do together or start something on the side that could be something for the longer term that we want to think about? Um, those conversations were happening across the board with almost every person I know. I mean, when we did this study, I've never seen a response rate of getting an inclusion rate to a study that was as high as this in an area that I wasn't sure people were doing. One in 10 people that we surveyed had started their own business. That's huge. Yeah, that's unbelievable. Um, it's unbelievable. So it's really saying that, um, yes, a lot of people were doing this on the side. A lot of people were also failing at it on the side, but weren't, I mean, the other piece of the study is that people were continuing to persist and try something else that was a passion area. I think you're going to see this as a trend. I am thinking about it as Accenture and me being an employer of people in the space, especially the strategy space. I need to give my employees room to do some passion areas on the side, um, almost like a hobby as they think about keeping them excited about working at Accenture. So I think it's a new time to think about the landscape a little different. You know, it's it's funny to me. And again, I'm gonna I'm gonna take a glasses have full outlook on this as well. For for starters, when people ask me about starting up a business, it takes capital to start up. But when I started up my company, it was back in 1994. Which Jesus, I can't believe I'm saying this, but that was a long time ago. And I left KPMG and I was working as a controller at a company in Plymouth Meeting, right? For like uh, you know, outside of Philly. Yeah, yeah, and and that was my full time job. But I I started up a business with my father at the time, and we um. I was working overtime and I was working weekends and you know, to make it all work. I had a job that was paying my bills while I was getting this business sort of up and running. Do you know what I mean? And, you know, so in one way, if you're working for a corporation, it is the right way to do it. If you have a paycheck coming in and you can handle your responsibilities, but then now you can, you can use that to finance the startup of a business. 
That's cool. And, and I think for, I think for a lot of companies, the, the data said that 80% of those people that were surveyed, there were what, there were 5,800 people surveyed, you said. Yeah. Um, 80% of Meta aspirations to making this their primary venture, which is fine. I think as a big company though, I think these numbers, you, you have to realize that this is going on. You shouldn't be upset about it. I think it provides a bit of diversity to your employees. They don't get stuck in a, you know, in, in the same, like, you know, like getting into a, into a, into a rut, you know what I mean? Cause it gives them something else to challenge them to think about. And maybe it spawns a lot of big companies to say, Hey, listen, we need to focus on like four day work week stuff and, you know, allowing our employees, as long as they get their stuff done, go you know, more power to them if they want to start up their own sidekicks. Yeah. I mean, I couldn't agree with you more, especially as Accenture being such like on the cutting edge of where technology is going and driving different pieces. I look at all the people that have either doing it on the side or also driving um, something new that they've left Accenture for being our pulse on the SMB environment. There's so many times I, I actually interview many of them now and say, Hey, gut check what we've just recently done for others and the research that we've done. Is this resonating for you? Mm. Can you do a test of me walking through actually how you just onboarded in a new um, company and what that actually looked like. So it's a really good incubation of using the alumni network for me, at least to figure out where should we focus and how should we move forward? So I'm either, instead of thinking about it as like, we lost someone, I'm using it to catalyze, be a catalyst for a lot of the things we drive forward. How do you think um, things would have been differently? So just, you know, thinking about it, like if we had this pandemic 10 years ago, um, I don't even want to go back like 40 years ago when there was no internet, that would have been um, a disaster. But okay, say it was 10 years ago. Um, how, how do you, do you, do you think there, it would have had the same impact on these work from home employees back then? Or do you think things were just, this was just a much better, you know, sort of conflagration of events that brought this sort of trend, you know, so, so accelerated it? I would hope that it would have had the same, but really, honestly, I don't think it would have. The digital mm. tools and the way that things are set up today and the experimentation and the comfort level that people have. And honestly, also like, to your point of like how much income it takes to even start a startup, like the range of different jobs and levels that have the income now to try out new and the barriers to entry of that level of income have decreased. Um, net, none of that was present 10 years ago. So the flexibility is just fundamentally there and it was the right time to really drive it forward and also for people to reflect and see things in a different light. I also am amazed to see people doing it at a younger age too. So it's also the tone and the generational aspect of so many people in my generation and below saying, hey, we don't have to live by the, the rules of how business used to work in the past. Let's define it in our own way. I think it was the combination of all that stuff happening together that really propelled this forward. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you. You know, there are other factors that I think I also saw. I mean, health, household wealth, uh, it, it's, it's still at a historical high, okay. um, you know, even with the markets themselves, you know, falling as they have in the past year, it, it's still extremely high in property values and people, uh, they've had more capital, you know, to, to do what they had to do. Um, what do you think, you know, hold, you know, holds people back from starting up businesses? I mean, there was a lot, I mean, your report said there were what 5.4 million new businesses that were created in 2021, 4.4 million in 2020. That's a lot. Okay. Um, but why, you know, do you think it could have been more? Do you think there's anything that, that holds people back? I think there's a couple different things. I think it's one, how easy and simplified it makes it to actually start a new business. Like you just mentioned your article for the Inquirer, um, 
it's absolutely a piece that there's no clear, I've done this so many times in my studies of like, what's the simplified SMB package that someone needs to understand everything at my fingertips in a specific industry or area that I need to do in order to start up. No one's made it that easy for, for actually starting up a small business. The other piece is support. I mean, the beauty that we didn't touch on in the last piece is network, right? Like network is more at our fingertips than ever. Right. People aren't as afraid to reach out to someone either new from high school or they don't know on social media and say, can you give me tips and tricks? But really making that network easier to navigate on who's the right advisors, how do we think about this area and how can we support each other to start it up? And then you've seen, we've seen increases when like grants and focus specifically in different um, economic levels or backgrounds too, and diversity backgrounds too, when they focus in that area, you're seeing an uptick. More of that focus in a longer consistency type aspect would continue to increase the influx of small businesses. But I think it's just people feeling like they have support in multiple different ways. I'll tell you right now, the only reason I haven't started one, my dad is much more of a proactive person than I am, but is the risk factor of how do I think about balancing both and how do I really think about where do I want to go and what's the right passion? You know, uh, I'm glad you brought that up and that you brought up your dad as well. I mean, you know, starting up a business, there is, you know, we haven't talked about of the 5.4 million businesses that were created in 2021, how many of these do you think yeah. are actually going to last, right? I mean, people, uh, and I meet a lot of people at startup businesses and they have this romantic idea of running a business. Like it's, you're like Anne Hathaway in the intern, you know what I mean? And, <laughs> exactly. you know, and in the end, it's like my best client. And I, you know, I have some great clients in my practice and my best one, Stephanie, I swear to God, they're, they're very practical about it. I mean, th these are people that know how to buy something for a buck and yeah. sell it for three. You know what I mean? So, and in the end, it's math driven and it's, it's hard work and it's dirty. It's not sexy. It's not, you know, it's not fun a lot of the times, although it can be challenging and, and, you know, and, and provide, you know, inspiration to some people, but sometimes people get caught up in the romanticism of running a business um, when in the end, it's really not that romantic, particularly when you have that first customer that, you know, stiffs you on a bill. <laughs> Absolutely. That business case is super important. And then the contingency aspects of each scenario that you're going to go yep. through. Too. So um, just a couple more minutes to go. And I, I have a couple more questions for you. One is um, why, um, what, what do you think your clients will take away from this? Like, yeah, say, I'm a, you know, I, I, I don't know if, if you're driving this data at big companies that sell into small businesses um, and, and they'll be like, oh, wow, there's a lot of startups, you know, that, that impacts me in this way. How, how do you, you know, how do you expect this data to be helpful to your clients? You're hinting and going the right direction. So for me, one of the biggest statements that I've been making to my clients is that really all SMBs, as we mentioned earlier, can't be treated the same. So segmentation has to be thought about differently. This new right. level of SMB really is expecting something different than the other SMB, some of the other SMBs that you've catered to supported in the past. The support, and that goes into every level, not just how you reach out to them, but also think through, you just talked about SIP, support them throughout a consistent ongoing relationship. All of those pieces need to be thought about differently. You're also going to expect this is going to be a new wave. There's going to be continuation of this. This is just the beginning, in my, in my opinion. Yep. You're going to continue to see this grow. So making sure that we have the right education, the right engagement model, the right long-term products too, that help evaluate and drive their businesses forward. So you can, I mean, for all my enterprise clients, they want to be a relationship with small businesses. And in my opinion, many of them should be a central hub to actually guide small businesses throughout the ecosystem of how they can operate more effectively. 
So this is really a good opportunity if you get in with these that are really starting their business from scratch to be that hub to drive. How do you actually lay the right landscape and be effective from the very beginning? That's great. That is a great answer. You know, finally, um, just as an observation, I I find this data to be like incredibly inspiring. You know, I mean, with all of the baloney that we hear going on in the world and, you know, America is not as great as it used to be or, you know, political issues or whatever. When you have this many people in this country starting up small businesses, you know, I mean, over 9 million, close to 10 million in the past two years, I think that is, uh, it's just inspiring. That's what people want to be doing. Um, And I'm curious if you you clearly nine, 10 million new startup applications, new businesses that start, you know, there's going to be a fraction of that that's going to be around five years from now for many different reasons. But whatever that fraction is, what do you think? What do you think these new businesses are going to look like? In other words, what, what do you think these new business owners are going to look like? Right now, when I talk to business groups and associations around the country, and I do it about 50 to 60 times a year, it's a very similar demographic, Stephanie. You know, it's like 55-year-old you know, white men. Do you know what I mean? That's changing, though. It's changing. How do you think this will be changing based on all of these, this enormous number of startups that we're seeing right now? I think it's going to change drastically. I I think we're going to start seeing, this goes back to what I said about like, how do we infuse money and economic levels and income into this different demographic? But quite frankly, I'm, going to, I'm saying it's different genders that are going to be included in this. Different ethnic backgrounds are going to start younger owners too. Yep. I also would say they're not looking to be big fast either. So you're going to see smaller sizes of businesses that are really driving significant impact. I wouldn't expect these to grow significantly large from a employee base. I'd expect these to grow large from revenue before they actually move quickly to larger number of employees. So I do think you're going to see the demographic change, which fundamentally is exciting because the stereotype of who do you think has been running a small business of the past, business of the past, doesn't even matter the size, I think it's going to change. I also think you're going to see, um, especially with the gener- different generations, and I love the entrepreneurial aspect of you know, the social entrepreneur, social entrepreneur and how they drive things, I think you're going to see a lot more people that are starting multiple small businesses in different passion areas. And um, that demographic is going to evolve quite heavily, in my opinion, too. Final question. So you had mentioned about you, you know, following your dad um, and, you know, maybe, maybe someday, let's assume, I hope you're at Accenture for the rest of your life and you thrive and prosper, but let's assume you had the capital and you decided to start up your own business. Um, what uh, what floats your boat? Yeah, I mean, I hope my uh, I hope Accenture feels the same way about keeping me forever. But that. at the same time, <laughs> at the same time, you know what I really love doing. One, I love always changing the environment, and I was thinking about this the other day. Um, yeah. The combination where I've played most of my life is between social presence and really driving. I spend a lot of time in the platform space, so how do you make sure you're engaging? And um, think about the advertising aspect and then events. I love, I mean, I'm a true consultant at heart. So organizing, structuring, thinking about what people need, driving different experiences has been fun. I could see myself, I was talking to my dad about this the other day, I could see myself driving like fairs, different events for different groups that need to actually come together and develop with communities. I would love to do that on the side if I had time to do it um, and think I could really maximize it and what I've seen in the environment today. But that's been top of mind. I can't pick a specific area, which is probably why I haven't started my own business yet, but I would love to do that. 
it's funny too because just thinking about that not that you don't love your job but just thinking about that is just um it's a way to change things up a little bit in your head and you know it's a diversion and it's a fun thing to think about you know i think that makes you better at your job i really do um i think it just gives you a little bit of variety in the thoughts going through your mind and like i said earlier it doesn't put you into a rut so maybe you can do something like that on the side exactly i mean talking to people is always what get something like this is always what gets me excited so this is always yeah. such a pleasure to do but um, if I can keep myself energized in that way, it does make me better at this job too, which it's a nice balance. Very cool. Well, Stephanie Gorski is the strategy managing director slash partner at Accenture Strategy and is also Accenture's small and medium-sized business SMB expert. Stephanie, thank you so much for joining me. That was a lot of fun to talk to you about. Give my best to your dad as well. Do not tell him that I only read Kindles, okay? So he doesn't it. want to know that, okay? <laughs> Yes, he does not want to know that. He got really mad at me when I got my first kid. <laughs> I'm sure. I am sure. Hey, thanks very much for joining. That was a really fun conversation. It was a blast talking to you. Thank you for including me. Do you have a topic or a guest that you would like to hear on Thrive? Please let us know. Visit payx.me forward slash Thrive Topics and send us your ideas or matters of interest. Also, if your business is looking to simplify your HR, payroll, benefits, or insurance services, see how paychecks can help. Visit the resource hub at paychecks.com forward slash works. That's W-O-R-X. Paychecks can help manage those complexities while you focus on all the ways you want your business to thrive. I'm your host, Gene Marks, and thanks for joining us. Till next time, take care. This podcast is property of Paychecks Incorporated 2022. All rights reserved.